So we're starting a new series. Uh, you guys, you guys remember the show from the '90s? Come on, somebody, raise your hand. I went '90s, not '80s. Okay, so I'm trying to bring it up a little bit. Home Improvement, Tim and Jill, right? The Taylors, I think, and you know, and and he's got his his little friend, his little posse group, and 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 inside the Home Improvement show was another show called Tool Time. Everybody remember Tool Time, right? Super funny. And, and what was always awesome, and I, I enjoyed this show, I think, I don't even know if it's still on, but I was watching it during COVID, um, and I can just remember just all these, you'd always end with some kind of principle of life, and, you know, obviously some, sometimes some radical things that he would say as well, but there was some really good stuff in that show that had to do with things like marriage and dating and, and parenting and, and another subject that we'll talk about today, and I just want you to know, um, that we need to encounter God and experience God, but we also need to, have, we need to be able to take what we experience, a little bit of heaven, and we got to figure out how to apply it to earth. Are you with me, everybody? And so even when we're going after God and we want revival in our hearts and we want the spirit of God to move in our life, like we, know how to, we need to know how to do like everyday life. Like it needs to, the rubber needs to hit the road. We need to be able to translate this stuff. And one of those areas we need to translate things is into relationships. So this whole series is dedicated to uh, relationships and the different relationships you're in. Because if you don't kind of figure out how to do it, then things fall apart. It's just, it's a, it's a natural, uh, we have a, a, a proclivity, as my daddy used to say, for things kind of blowing up relationally. If we're not investing and in being intentional and being and working at it, marriage is spelled W-O-R-K. You know, uh, parenting is the same way. All the moms and dads know what I'm talking about, especially the moms, right? Last night, I, we took care of the grandkids, uh, uh, Ezzy and, and uh, Zion, and, and Devin and Nat went out the door. You know, when we come over the house to, to the Fry household, Nat and Devin's house, like they'll say, hey, we want to go out at 5. Can you be there at 5? When we're there at 5, they're out the door at 5.01. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're like riding horses, freedom! You know, like they're going out, faces in blue. They, they, like they can't wait to get out the door as fast as possible, you know? And, and they don't like get, a, get the house ready for us. Like we're, we're folding laundry, we're cleaning up stuff. You know, as he had like a diaper goop, whatever that stuff is on his face. Devin, Devin told me it was yogurt. It wasn't yogurt. I'm just, the TC's dying right now. Anyway, and so they're out of there. They're hard work, everybody. They're hard work. So, so we need to know how to do parenting. We need to know how, to, we'll get into that in a, in a couple of weeks. That'll be a colorful uh, experience. You don't want to miss that. Amen? So here's what Proverbs 13.20, that's none of that's in my notes. Proverbs 13.20 says, become wise by walking with the wise. So you're going to have to hang out with the right people if you're going to get better and have your home improve. And if you don't, you know, you hang out with fools, uh, you're going to watch your life, the Bible says, in this particular translation, fall to pieces. The message translation. So, today's message is entitled, Finding Your Aaron. Finding Your Aaron. And it's about strategic relationships, intentional or strategic relationship. And today's big idea, and some of you have heard this before, and I just didn't want to try to improve on it or change it, but show me... Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And so we're going to talk about kind of a foundation of relationships today is friendship. Amen? Amen. 
Now, we're going to look at a character in the Bible that you all know, and then we're going to unpack a character I just referenced quickly that you don't know as much about, and you're going to see how their lives are connected, how they're inextricably linked, specific to uh, the idea of relationships. And we're going to look at the life of Moses, and we're going to look in the text, in, in, in one text in Exodus and another one in Acts chapter 7, and we're going to see where Moses made initially a bunch of bad decisions, uh, a lot of them. Sometimes we don't highlight these things, and so, uh, you know, you, you kind of think of Moses as just this incredible rock star uh, in life, but no, he really struggled uh, in the beginning, and then we're going to look at, like, how God took him out of that, and, and what was so critical to a lot of the problems that he had his life in his life getting fixed, and so let's look first, though, at Acts chapter 7. If you're taking notes, um, you might want to write down Acts chapter 7, and if you're in CLA, you are taking notes, and I'll come looking for you on class on Tuesday night. Okay. Acts chapter 7, verse 20 says, at that time, Moses was born. Now, this time is, is, a, is a really difficult season in history. This is a time where there was genocide taking place of small children. So this is a really difficult time. And, and basically... Israel had multiplied so fast under the uh, regime or under the leadership of Egypt. Egypt was the most powerful nation in the world at this particular time. But Israel is now there as a byproduct of Joseph. If you, if you ever study your, your history, Joseph is, is, it took them kind of out of this season of famine. Amazing things happened in his life. But, and there was a lot of prosperity and blessing for Israel, but then Joseph died. And, and, and only a very short time later, uh, uh, the Israelites became slaves to the Egyptians. But, but, they, but they were multiplying like locusts. They, they were just growing like crazy, and they became a threat uh, to the Egyptians. They feared, uh, the Pharaoh feared being overrun and taken over by all the uh, Israelites that are there, and very intimidated that they, that they could assume power at some point. And so to reduce the population, they started killing babies under the age of, under the age of, uh, of two years old. And so Moses' parents, uh, Moses have, uh, his parents have a baby, Moses, and they decide they're going to hide him. Okay, so it says his parents cared for him at home for three months. Remember these little facts. When they, later, when they had to abandon him, you know when they abandoned him, they put him in the basket of reeds, and they put him on the Nile River. Some of you either read it in your Bible or you watched, you know, some cartoon somewhere. Okay. But, but, th but this happened, okay? And, and they had to abandon him. And then Pharaoh's daughter catches him in the Nile River. And the Bible says that she adopted him as her own son. And then Moses speeds ahead in Acts chapter 7 and basically said he was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And look at this. It says, and he was powerful in both speech and action. So Moses was powerful, and he was powerful in what he could say and what he could do. He was very, very uh, influential. And then the Bible says one day when Moses was 40 years old. Everybody say 40. 40. I wish I was 40. Praise the Lord. Lordy, Lordy, thank God I'm no longer 40. Uh, he decided to visit his relatives, uh, the people of Israel. So something happens. We'll reference that in a little bit. He saw an Egyptian mistreating the Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense, avenged him by killing the Egyptian. And then it says Moses assumed that his fellow Israelites would see that. They, they would observe what he did for them and would realize that God had sent him to them to rescue them. But the Bible says they didn't. 
Men, he said, oh, then it goes on. The next day, he visits them again. He saw two men, now his brothers fighting, the Israelites fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you ruler and judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And when Moses heard about that, he fled. He fled to a country uh, as a foreigner in the land of Midian. So we see in this particular text several bad decisions that Moses makes. And there are several relationships that are represented here that were shaping his life. And we're very critical in kind of like his, let's just say, first 40 years. And I'm going to give you some insights from that. As we begin, uh, again, here's something else for you to write down. And this is really, really critical. When God wants to bless your life, he sends a relationship. When the devil wants to destroy your life, he sends a relationship. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm tracking with what my pastor's saying right now. <laughs> so I want you to first see the negative impact. Have you not seen this in your life before? Somebody's on fire for God. They're doing incredible. The girl's just, just I mean, literally, she's practically walking on water. She's, she's so excited. The call of God's on her life. And then a cute little boy comes in from out of nowhere. Have you seen Susie Q lately? No, she gone. She gone. Because a boy came into the picture, and vice versa. This happens literally all the time. When the devil wants to destroy somebody's life, he sends a relationship. But when God wants to do something, he sends a relationship too. So this next text, going back now to the Old Testament, is everybody with me? Yeah. Ex Exodus chapter 2, it says, Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people. So he's kind of telling the story again. And he saw how hard they were working, and they were forced to work. And during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellows. After looking in all directions, this is what it says in here, to make sure no one is watching, Moses killed an Egyptian. Now, let me unpack this for you. Moses has no friends near him. He's in complete isolation. There's zero accountability. Okay, that's going on right now. Let's pause for a minute. Anytime you hear words like, you know, he's looking around to make sure nobody's there. If you're looking to your right or to your left behind you, whatever you're getting ready to do, it can't be good. Is everybody there? All right. There's no way there's anything good going to come out of. Okay, so let's make sure Moses, in essence, is making sure there's no safety nets. Let's make sure there's no one who knows what I'm doing with someone or, in, or something. That's always going to be bad. It's never going to go well for you. So jot this down. When we have no relationships, we are in danger. We are in danger. First Peter 5, 8, I've studied this many times. The Bible says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, who's your enemy? The devil prowls around like a, what? Lion. A roaring lion. The Bible says a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So you, first of all, you need to understand something. I don't know if you're here yet in your spiritual journey, but, but you have an adversary. You have an, it's not an advocate first. You have an adversary. You have an enemy, and it is the devil. The devil. And he, he goes around kind of prowling and waiting for you to be doing something like this. Is nobody here? Is nobody here? Click, 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 click. Is nobody watching? I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm about to do something stupid. We're all one 
second away, one step away, one moment away from stupid. But stupid won't happen if we have somebody with us. Amen? Are you with me, everybody? So there's an enemy to your soul. And so the devil, he's always looking, and, and he never attacks a herd. A lion never attacks a herd. He always waits till we're isolated. And so sometimes we act so surprised. Why are we fighting so much in our marriage? Why are our kids acting like the devil themselves? Why, you know, did our car break down on the way to small group for my marriage, which is hurting? It's because the devil wants to oppose you. It's because the devil's trying to get in the way and interfere with your progress because he's here to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But the Bible says, I have come that they may have life and they have it more abundantly. I came to destroy the works of the evil one. So there's two things going on here, but you got to know you have an enemy, everybody. You have an enemy. And he works like that, like a roaring lion. And if Jesus could be vulnerable, by the way, after 40 days of prayer and fasting, he comes out and the, and the Bible says the devil came to tempt him right then. And he was, he was vulnerable. Now, he was successful, but he was vulnerable. If Jesus could be vulnerable, you can be too. Are you with me? Proverbs 15.22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but in the counsel of many, there is safety. There is safety. So how much of your life are you doing by yourself? My friend, he's from Louisiana, he says, the, you know, the dangerous place is be all down by yourself, at the bayou. Down by the bayou. Get that? Nobody gets that. Okay, anyway, <laughs> verse 22, uh, it works in the cell, uh, those jokes. Um, Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action, and he assumed his fellow Hebrews would understand and see that he was there to rescue them, but the Bible says he didn't. They didn't. So he assumed that the anointing on his life, the giftings on his life that had been so evident, that had been so uh, profound and prolific, he thought they would notice. They would see it. It would be obvious. Hello, recognize. But they didn't. They didn't see it. Verse 26, it says, the next day he visits them again. There's this fight, and he's going there to be a peacemaker. Why are you fighting? Why are you doing this? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And Moses gets so disoriented by their response. It was such a contrast to what he thought, what he expected, what he assumed would happen, that he fled. He didn't just, like, go and hide or just kind of, like, take a step back. He leaves the country. He leaves the country. He flees his purpose. He flees uh, his calling. And it's because of this, write this down, in the wrong relationships, we get devalued. We get devalued. See, we believe that the people, we believe some people, certain people will see or should see what's on me. We believe certain people, and we're looking to certain people, sometimes indefinitely, sometimes way too long. Sometimes we're in an inordinate, uh, idolatrous, um, I'm trying to think, think of the right words, but somebody who's got your number. You're looking for these people's approval and for their affirmation, and you're, you're like, why don't they see it? Why don't they recognize? Why don't they kind of encourage me and give me the attaboy? But we don't see or realize is that we're surrounded by the wrong people and the wrong voices, and it's producing the wrong results. 
okay? So to tell, and you got people that are telling you things or, or, or saying things to you like, why do you think you're capable of doing that? Or why do you think you're smart enough to do that? Why do you think that that, that should happen to you? Why do you think your marriage is going to last and overcome that? Why do you think you're strong enough to kick this habit or to kick this situation? Why do you think you're made for more? Why do you think God would use you and not use me? And just like you're looking for this from the wrong people. Why do you think people are going to follow you? Why do you think you can pastor a church or you can lead a business like that or you can do something like that? This is what happened to Moses. And, and Moses hears this and, and he thinks, well, God sent, God sent me, right? And so now Acts, the book of Acts, gives some different insights that we don't see in Exodus. It shows basically that Moses had had some kind of an experience with God. Now, we know what that was. And we'll come to that at the end of the message today. But he was aware that God had spoke to him. He was aware that the call of God was on his life. And, and he feels directed and he feels inspired to be a deliverer. And, and by the way, sometimes some of the stupid mistakes, we have step three today. And step three is about discovering your purpose. And sometimes the stupid things you did were just a, um, it was just a miss application of your passion a lot of times I was talking to a young man at the gym just the other day he's about 20 years old and he's like you know what our generation must drive you nuts Pastor Fry I said absolutely not I said your generation is the future I believe the revival is going to come through your generation and I'm just going to steer it and coach it let me just tell you something young man you have passion it's just misapplied it's just misdirected it just needs to be steered in this way and that way so, oh, and he can see he just lit up like, wow, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not used to, who is this Obi-Wan Kenobi who is downloading all this <laughs> wisdom on me, you know? It was an awesome moment, but anyway. Verse 27, but the man, the man in the wrong pushed Moses, who, everybody say who? Who made you ruler and judge over us? And the answer was God. God did that. God said you're going to be, you called him to be the deliverer of his people. And guess what? What happens is they didn't see it, and Moses chose to believe what they saw instead of what God said. And that's where things started going uh, haywire for him. He stopped seeing it for himself, and, and he stopped understanding that what God said trumps what they said. Are you with me, everybody? And, so, and the truth is, Sometimes we're assigned to do things. This is just coming to me now. Sometimes we're assigned to do things and people don't get it. You know, nobody likes to be led. Nobody likes leadership. We like to be the leader. We just don't like to receive the leadership. You know, like, yeah, I need, I, I need, I need a leader. I need to follow. Until they correct you, until they challenge you, until they're like, hey, this is a better way and this is how you should go. And then as soon as that happens, oh, the whole world's against me. The whole world's against me, okay? But, but Moses tries to lead. He just goes about it the wrong way. They reject him, and then he's basically like, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm not called to this. Something happened because of the environment and because of the people in that environment. Now, understand this. Bad company corrupts good character or good behavior. It is an eventuality, an inevitability, that if you are around the wrong company, that's what's going to happen. Even if God spoke something to you himself, audibly, you would think, no, if God spoke to me the way he spoke to Moses, ain't no way that I could fall. Listen, it's been happening for centuries. 
You've got to make sure that you're in the right soil, you're in the right environment, that you're around the right people. Are you with me? And so these people make him question his calling and ultimately even his relationship with God. And it's the relationships that are like the circuit into the source for the power. Without those relationships, it short circuits the power that God has for you. Acts 1.8 tells us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He did, but he disconnected relationally, which disconnects the power. And he got unplugged. Are you with me, everybody? And so Moses, though he was educated, though he was equipped, under the very hand of the king, of the most powerful nation of the world, he gets completely unplugged and begins to question himself, why wrong relationships? Is this good so far? So what I'm trying to say is many of you in this room, you can have the right equipment to lead. You can have the right skill sets, the right, it's dormant. It might be a little disconnected right now, but there's something great inside of you. And all you need to do is get plugged in right. I have seen this happen time and time again. Framing him, I know you know there's people in the room like that, TC. You know there's people. You can testify that you didn't even know all that stuff was in there. But as soon as you got plugged in right to the source, Jesus Christ, our vision, we connect the disconnected to God and to godly people in a godly place. Once that happens, bam, all of a sudden you're like, my God, my God, we've got a Moses here and a Moses there. People are starting to like totally light up. They're changed. But the opposite is also true. Are you with me? And you begin to question things because the power got shut off. So the next group that Moses had to deal with is the most painful and most complex of all. And that is his family relationships. And there's kind of a revelation here. I learned this from a friend of mine, Pastor Dave Summerall. And, and he, he, he helped me see this. Uh, he's a foster parent. And, and he, in Acts chapter 7, verse 20, it says... At the time Moses was born, his parents, everybody say his parents, they cared for him for about three months. When they had to abandon him, and then Pharaoh's daughter adopted him. Now, I want to pause and just say, I don't know what that would feel like. Because I've had my biological parents on my whole childhood, you know, from beginning, from birth all the way into adulthood. I was raised. But what, just for a second, just think about Moses. Think about the significance of this. What would it have been like, what would it feel like to have been abandoned? Some of you listening with the sound of my voice here or other, way, other places might know what that feels like in a measure or, or in actuality as it relates to your parents. What would it have felt like to be adopted by someone else or not by someone else? There must have been some sort of a hole in this giant's heart, this giant of the faith. And I'm not saying that God can't restore that, that God can't use somebody where something like that has happened. It's obvious that Moses was used in an extraordinary way, yes or no. Amazing, absolutely incredible. But we can't just ignore, we have to acknowledge that there had to be a wound. Whether it was worked out or not, uh, there were some things that that there's some issues that had to be settled. We call it like dealing with your yesterdays, dealing with the things that are in your rearview mirror. And, and I, I choose to believe that one of those for Moses was an abandonment issue that played a role in his life because I think this is the foundation, I believe, of some of the things that, just, that were just not there in his life and in his leadership and in his calling. Is everybody okay You're tracking with me right now? Yeah. I'm making kind of a point here. Because I think he was on a quest like anybody would who am I? You know, who are my parents? Like, why do I look the way that I look? I look different. 
than the family that I'm a part of. Every child and every person is on a journey and trying to orientate themselves so that they don't feel insecure, but they can feel a sense of confidence and kind of have a pivot foot to their life. So here Moses is wrestling with these things, and, and he's given up at three months because of this condition. The Bible says he was actually returned to his parents, his mother, for a little while to be weaned, but then given back somewhere around, we believe, two or three years old. He lived in the palace for the rest of his life until he, until he fled to Midian. And so very early on in childhood, he, he couldn't possibly have known who his parents were or have any recollection or any memory of them because he was so young when he was removed from them, whether intentionally or unintentionally. So he has, he has an issue. And every one of you relationally have some sort of an issue, and it affects your ability to be successful relationally. And God wants to heal that issue. Say, I don't have an issue. Well, that's your issue. You do have an issue. I can promise you that, okay? And, and it might not be your parents giving you up, but it could be something else. And, and so it goes on and it says, and, and there are these, there, he's, he's, been a, he's adopted by new parents. He has, 